I'm Rick Hugh, and welcome to today's podcast. My guest today is Alan Shuchuk, lawyer and Italian food, wine, and culture expert, who talks about his early life influences, his path to becoming a lawyer, and his deep passion for all things Italian. After law school, Alan started off his career in his dream job in a prestigious Calgary law firm. But Alan saw that he needed to make time for his many interests and passions, and he needed to make a change. Alan left his large law firm and started a boutique law firm with like-minded colleagues. He then started to regularly go to Italy, learning and bringing back his cooking and eating experiences. Alan eventually decided to spend an extended period of time in Italy and retire from his legal practice. Alan shares his thoughts on work-life balance, decision-making, and recognizing opportunity when it comes. He also shares his top 10 list of skills for young people starting off their careers. It was a pleasure for me to do this interesting and inspiring conversation with Alan, and I'm sure that you will also enjoy it. Thanks very much. Alan Shuchuk, um, is it correct? Barrister, solicitor? I'm a, I'm, I am a barrister, technically both, but I'm just a barrister mostly. Um, but more importantly, um, a great sort of uh, friend and cooking partner for... Um, you know, an experience that I, I, we had, well, it's about 15 years ago, 20, maybe more. 20. 20 years ago. Yeah, I looked it up today. Holy cow. So, um, Alan, thank you for coming and joining us. And I thought it was particularly important to have you come because I think, in my mind, you're the epitome of someone who's really understood what um, a life can be. And... Um, uh, and you know how it, it provides you know guidance and, and, and inspiration for others. So first of all, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to be here. <laughs> and then second of all, um, for those pe- people who don't know you, can you give me a bit of a capsule summary? Um, we're going to talk a lot about different things, but a capsule summary of of you, uh, what you've done, and and where what what you're going to do in the future. Well, sure. I and and. Um now, I'm really happy to be here, and, and you know, in terms of my background, um, I'm uh, uh, really an Alberta guy, so m- my parents were, uh, you know, immigrants from the Ukraine, uh, farm kids, and uh, I was born in Edmonton because I was Ukrainian, I had to be, so my, my parents were like salmon, they had me there, and not that I want to think about my parents spawning, but, um, uh, but I lived my whole life basically in Calgary, uh, was a U of C graduate, and I did my law school at U of A. Um, and I practiced law, and I went through a, an awful lot of changes. What got to the firm I wanted to be in, mm-hmm. which became a big national firm. I didn't like that. Started a boutique firm. Was on the cutting edge of that. Wasn't all happy with that. Uh, got in, took some time off, went and lived in Italy. Started cooking, started teaching cooking, started writing, food writing, continuing to practice law. Got into a smaller sort of a situation. Quit altogether. Uh, went and lived in Florence for a couple of years and, you know, came back and I, I have a, a very nice sort of a manageable practice with one client. And um, uh, so I've, I've, I've done it all within that, <laughs> within the scope of that. And I'm still teaching Italian cooking after 25 years. So um, were, when you were growing up, um, was law your destination? Was that, was that, did you, did you sort of, Spring from the womb and think, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer. How, how did how did that uh, how did that come to pass? Well, the the weird thing is is that I until I actually got to law school, I I would never met a lawyer. Um, it just wasn't where my family came from. There were no professionals except in mm-hmm. the, the generation of all my cousins. Uh, everybody, there's lots of doctors and lawyers and people like that. But no, I I didn't I didn't know. I think. Um, uh, the one thing I will say from the time I was very young, I was never shy about being uh, the center of attention or the class clown. So uh, as was said about me once by a good friend, I'm the kind of person when I go to a funeral, I wish I was the corpse. <laughs> you know, and, and one day I'll get my wish. You know? It'll be my, my, I'll have an obit in the paper and I'll be the center of attention. But um, no, I didn't, I did not have a background that, that led to that. I think um, I can tell you that what happened is I, I took a, a law course because uh, I had to take a policy and environment course here at the UC, um, and I, I loved it. The professor was really uh, mm-hmm. uh, someone who inspired me, and she said, you need to go to law school. 
And up to that point, I actually thought about being a chartered accountant, uh, which I don't know how that would have ever worked out. But uh, no, so I, I, um, I uh, got into the U of A law school and then came back to Calgary and sort of, but it was, it was certainly nothing I ever thought mm -hmm. about um, ever uh, until quite late in my uh, undergraduate. So I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, and, and so in your undergraduate were you, and when you're growing up, what can you recall? What you really wanted to do? I mean, really? Uh, well, what I really wanted to do uh, probably was uh, to 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 write, be creative mm -hmm. in terms of writing, uh, probably comedy. Um, and and uh, from the time I was in elementary school, I was always the guy at the school um, uh, uh, gatherings or in the auditorium where I was always the guy that that got to do the comedy shtick. Um, uh, and I and I always I've always uh, in, enjoyed that and and, uh, um, and it was just something creative mm -hmm. I wanted to do. But I was just I was never scared of public speaking. I was never scared of of, of being on a stage or uh, having a microphone. Uh, my friends always tease me that you know that I'm the guy that always goes, <laughs> "Is this on? Oh, I'll, give me twenty minutes, I'll talk." So so this is this is perfect for me. Um, but no, it, I just didn't have didn't have. Uh, and, I, and one of the things that, that really struck me is I, I went up, my, my, my mother had just passed away a few months before. I went up to U of A Law School to the orientation, and the first person I met uh, was the daughter of a very prominent Edmonton lawyer. The second person I met was the daughter of a very prominent judge. And the third person I met was a guy whose father was uh, quite a, a well-known lawyer from central Alberta. And I thought to myself at that point, uh, what have I gotten myself into? I, I mean, I, I don't have anybody with that background. I don't have anyone in my family who's a professional. Uh, you know, uh, these people were, were all going to be able to study at their parents' law offices. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I was living in a cement basement suite in, mm -hmm. in South Edmonton, and I thought, what have I gotten myself into? Um, and you know, it just—I uh, had a knack. I had a knack for for law. I did really well in law school, and and uh, got the articles I wanted, uh, which made a big difference for me. And so was that, um, with that feeling of, of not being quite, you know, part of the, part of the scene or part of the, the establishment, uh, did that affect the, the sorts of decisions that you subsequently made? Was it, a, was it uh, an influence? Uh, I would say to some extent, mm -hmm. but I, I'll just pause to say that this is one of the things I'm actually quite proud of in terms of coming from Alberta. Uh, you know, which doesn't seem to be in vogue anymore, but, but I am really proud because it, one of the things I loved about Calgary is that it didn't matter who your parents were. You know, if you were any good, you were accepted. Mm -hmm. Even though I, I have a Slavic last name, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I come from a Waspy family. We never went to the Glencoe Club or the Winter Club. We didn't belong to any of that. But once I started working, um, I didn't find it was any impediment not to have mm -hmm. uh, a law background. And I, I think that people here, it's the Wild West. I think people really say, if you're if you're if you're any good, you know, we'll accept you. And so that I would think I was lucky. I don't think if I went to Toronto or to Vancouver that mm -hmm. that would have happened. So it it's the the feeling of a meritocracy as opposed to as opposed to um, an oligarchy. I guess is probably <laughs> well, yeah. And it's uh, and it's uh, uh, to some extent. I, I I in retrospect, I sort of felt sorry for some of the people who. They knew the day they got into law school that they were going to get a job at their parents' law firm, and I'm not sure I would have wanted to work for yeah. my dad or yeah. my mom. Um, I I didn't have that that. Uh, there's there's some expectations that are not necessarily good for you, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, no. But I really am. I really am. Uh, can say that I was. You know, I, and coming, I can say this about about growing up here. I mean, the, when I when we moved from Edmonton to Calgary, I had to go register at at Glenbrook Elementary School the first day. And there were there were about five tables for registration, but there was one just for the M's because there were so many McDonald's, Macintoshes, McIntyres. So, so it was all the all the sort of white Anglo-Saxon Protestants had their own table, and then there were all the rest of us that had you know Z's and CH's in our name. So yeah, um, I grew up in Nova Scotia, and there were many M's, McDonald's and yeah. McNeils, and and I, I can I can share that feeling with you. Yeah, there there is no one with a two-letter last name in, in my public school, and so um, clearly you 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 gained a passion for law. Um, I, I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, you mentioned that you you were um, you were not not so happy in in that in that sort of that 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 um, super you know high end um, high high sort of quality establishment uh, law firm. What well, what was what was going on there? How were you feeling about that? Well, a, c a couple of things. I, I I really did get the job I wanted at a, at the firm I wanted because I wanted to go to court. I wanted to be a barrister, and uh, the only thing is is that you know uh, laws. The, the, they always teach you in law school that law is a jealous mistress and it wants a lot of your time. And in fact, it's a profession that loves workaholics. If if they can find them, they'll use you until mm -hmm. they use you up. And it was an awful lot of work. I will only say this, though, is that, you know, if Malcolm Gladwell is right, that it takes 10,000 hours of work to be good at anything, um, that, you know, squeezing that into the first five years yeah. and learning a lot uh, was important. But it took a lot out of my hide. And, and, and th that I didn't like. And I didn't like the sort of the other thing about, about law when it's all about hours and money that you bill. Um, every January 1st, you start at zero. And you're Sisyphus. There you are, pushing the rock, rolling the rock up the hill. And I just thought this this is not a treadmill I wanted to be on, and I didn't need to be on. I thought I could practice law and mm -hmm. maybe maybe not make as much money, have more time to do other things. Uh, and that I'll tell you that is really the people back then. I don't know now, but they sure looked down their nose at you when you made those decisions. Was it was it because you just weren't with the uh, you know with the program or? Yeah, I just I didn't like where it was headed. I, I yeah. didn't want to be someone who worked that hard for the rest of my life. Um, I didn't mind the stress of it. I kind of in, in, enjoyed the mm -hmm. work, and, and I had some really wonderful, wonderful mentors and teachers. Um, and uh, but uh, but I I ended up with two other fellows in the same firm who both of them were were really doing well. Were sort of stars, and they came to me one day and said, um, "We don't want to do this. Uh, do you want to come with us? Let's." Let's 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 do let's do it differently. Yeah. So we started at what but then was a boutique, which which we really specialized only in, in certain kinds of litigation, and we didn't have uh, set quotas for hours that were stupid. And we made a decision that every year one of us would take the summer off. So we would take two months off in addition to whatever other time. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about that was um, whoever took the summer off actually build more that year than the people who worked the whole time. It was very strange. So it was it was that early recognition that um, that you needed to have that that balance, that uh, ability to to recuperate, I guess, and, and resuscitate your 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 energy. That's the best word. I'm glad we got mm -hmm. to that word early. It, it was a balance issue and and and, and you know, we had we we really did have balance. You know, we didn't have to work a lot of. If you had things to do, you had to do them. But we didn't have to work a lot of nights and weekends. We could take time off. Uh, we could volunteer. I, I didn't. That one of the reasons I was so active at the bar was because my the guys I practiced law with were also uh, that way. One of my partners became the president of the law society. That's an awful lot of time, mm -hmm. um, but gave us time to just lift our heads up and have some balance. You know, uh, take the summers, take you know, take your summer off, do what you wanted if it was your turn. Um, and uh, uh, again, I don't think it made that big of a difference financially, oddly, and in, in a funny way. Did, did that bother you? I mean, the, the financial part of it? No. Uh, no, because I, I, never wa I, I never had aspirations to have a house in Mount Royal or, or be a member of the Glencoe Club or be a member of three golf courses. Um, I always wonder whether all these people it's just a house of cards. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. But no, I did, I never wanted to live that way. I, yeah. I lived within my means. I, uh, um, you know, and I, the other thing is I was a bachelor until uh, well, until I'm into my forties when I finally got married. But um, uh, I, uh, I just had I, I had a lot of other interests, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of other interests, and and the creative ones. So making videos, doing public speeches, um, uh, you know. Speaking at law conferences, that kind of stuff, and I really enjoyed it. It, it gave me a chance to not just sit at my desk. And, and so, what what was driving that other creative side of you? Because, you know, the law is not necessarily. Uh, I, I don't see you doing a comedy routine in front of the judges, unless I, I'm mistaken. 
Uh, it can be helpful, but you got you got to be careful. It, it, it can be helpful, but you got to be careful. Um, but no, uh, uh, what, what drove that I think for me was a need to be cre- just to be creative, and mm-hmm. so um, law is more. The interesting about law, especially you know, when someone comes in and tells you the facts of their case, and you try to figure it out, it's it's a puzzle. I mean, it's challenging and it's interesting, but it's. Uh, it's finding a path as mm-hmm. opposed to where you're creative. You know, you're kind of looking at a whole bunch of other things yeah. and not narrowing yourself down to some focus point. And so I just, I just always needed that. Mm-hmm. And so um, you started to, or you were doing a lot of public speaking and, um, and really trying to, I, I, I feel like you were trying to communicate and that you were trying to bring, you know, bring your sort of, understanding of the law and and other aspects you know to as many people as possible is that is that a correct uh, sort of assessment yeah and in fact and in fact a lot of the stuff i did was uh uh to try to be helpful to people in the profession mm-hmm. so i did you know an awful lot of teaching uh an awful lot of uh uh like I say speaking about stuff sharing uh stuff but also also starting to preach uh quite publicly in the, in, in alberta anyway uh, the whole work-life balance thing, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, so I was sort of interesting on the cutting edge of that um, in terms of doing papers and and speaking at at, at things. Uh, it's become way more of a, a, a almost every big sort of convention now will have a lifestyle yes. panel. Right? Yeah, it's very similar in the in the medical community now that uh, this whole this whole understanding that there's more to it than just just practice and and you know that that sort of single-minded focus. Was there was there a time that you had like an epiphany or that you know you had this bolt of light coming down to say, do this? Yeah, um, and it was it was it was a confluence of events. So uh, I got to uh, somewhere just outside of ten years of practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had. Um, a series of, of epic failures in my love life. Um, I I, uh, I chose poorly, um, and uh, and 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 stuck stuck in some relationships longer than I should. Uh, but I just had a, a string of, mm-hmm. of of that happening, and so I sort of came out the other end of that too. Uh, I was in my mid thirties, and uh, I just like I I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just this is same thing keeps happening over and over again in my personal life and 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 you know uh, law is sort of it's, it, I like it and and I'm, I'm you know I think I think I got to a certain good good reputation and all that sort of stuff but I just said I don't I, I, I don't want to do this anymore and that was in 1996 and it coincided mm-hmm. with me having a little over two months off on a sabbatical and I went and lived in a little village in Italy with you know, only about 30 people uh, in northwestern Tuscany. And I, at that point, I, I decided that I was going to reinvent myself. So how did you get there? Was it, was it a planned sort of, um, you know, sort of sojourn into, into the small village? Well, it's, 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 a, it's a sort of a, a throwback to time because there was no Internet. No. Uh, so you 96? know, no. if you were lucky, <laughs> someone might fax you. But you know, the fax machine would start fading immediately. You know, it was one of those things. No, what happened is I, I made it known uh, uh, in the Italian community here that I wanted to rent a house and I wanted to live somewhere. I didn't want to live in Rome or Florence yeah. or Milan. And um, through a friend, I met a fellow who said, "Oh, you know, my cousin has a house in Tuscany." And I said to him, okay, that sounds great. And he said, I said, where is he? He said, oh, come over to my house. My wife will cook for you. So I'd go over and he'd bring up his homemade wine and we'd, you know, we'd, we'd eat and we'd drink. And he never answered a question about really what I wanted <laughs> to know, like how much does it cost? Where is it? What's the house like? And uh, I'd wake up the next morning with a swollen head saying, well, I didn't really get any information. So <laughs> I have to go back again. <laughs> off we went, back again to the table. And finally, um, it got too late. I, I, I had to make this commitment and uh, uh, I believe they rented me this beautiful old stone house I, th- I think for $600 Canadian a month <laughs> uh, so it was a it was a bargain it, it 
Italy also was still using the lira, mm -hmm. so it was like ridiculously cheap. And like you know, you you couldn't you couldn't spend money in a day, a Canadian money. So I went and uh, didn't know a soul there, and uh, uh, woke up. Well, I'll, I'll back up just to say I had a Canadian experience because I thought, oh, I'm going to go live in Italy. I've always wanted to live in Italy. Um, and I get on the plane, and Air Canada served pierogies. <laughs> I thought, no, this can't be happening. And I uh, got into my uh, my car and at the Rome airport to drive up to Tuscany and got settled, turned the radio on. The first song that came on was Brian Adams. <laughs> and the second song that came on was Jan Arden uh, or someone like that. I thought, this, is, this isn't working out the way I sort of pierogies and Brian Adams. Um, but I didn't know anybody, and it, they were uh, everyone. I was I was a curiosity to people, but in the end, I, I got adopted. I got invited to people's houses. Um, you know, I was raised as an Orthodox Christian, but I started going to mass at the Catholic Church every Sunday, and I get lunch out of it. It was all very mercenary, but uh, no, it's just a wonder, absolutely wonderful experience, and I made an awful lot of friends for life, and uh, I still keep in touch with people there. But I, it did change me, and, and mm -hmm. the one thing it did change in me is is that. Uh, again, there was no internet. I, people there taught me how to cook, and I was interested in going into kitchens and cooking. And when I came back, I had I cooked and tried stuff that nobody here yet had heard of, things like farro, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a lot of sort of t really rustic Tuscan mm -hmm. things that no one would have yet heard of here. So it, it was actually uh, it was my entree into into teaching cooking because just when I got back from Italy. Um, uh, my brother who would, and sister-in-law who were had a toe in the food business and the media business, uh, one of their friends opened up the cookbook company, uh, first sort of uh, cuisine store and mm -hmm. cookbook, and she started a cooking school. And they would get together on Sundays, and everyone would come and cook, chefs and whatnot. So I got invited, and she said, well, this is fantastic. Um, never had some of this stuff, and would you be interested in teaching? Um, her plan was that... Uh, it would attract younger guys. So, you know, here I am in my 30s. Maybe we'll get some younger guys. And so they actually called my first class Seduction Meals for Men. And it completely <laughs> blew up in our face. It blew up in our face because when, we, when I came out from the back of the kitchen, it was all these frustrated librarian-type women you know, <laughs> looking for recipes to seduce men. Um, but that was a... But story. Alan, you're very, you're very <laughs> charming with, with the ladies. So we, I remember we did uh, a session for the Canadian Orthopedic Association uh, spouses. They were charmed. Oh, well. So. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, but anyway, but it, so that started my, my cooking thing. My brother, coincidentally, became sort of uh, famous as well as a barbecue evangelist. So he ended up having about three or four best-selling cookbooks. And so both of us were kind of really prominent on the food scene here. It was, it was a wonderful diversion from practice. And so that, um, that seemed to take over a lot of your, your, your profile. You know, it, there, at some point there seemed to be a change from, you know, Alan Shuchuk, uh, QC, right. barrister, solicitor, to Alan Shuchuk, Italian, Italianophile. Right. And yeah. When did that, when did that happen? And well, was that conscious? Was yes. It? Yeah. In fact, I said to someone the other day, uh, if I were to die tomorrow, I would be way prouder of people remembering me as, as being someone who was, a, who was a, a good Italian cook and who knew an awful lot about Italy and, and food and wine and enjoyed it and shared it with people than I would be about my law career. Not saying I haven't had a, 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 a great law career, um, and, uh, uh, but I, it, it's, it is, that change has really served me well in the profession because a lot of people uh, who are on the treadmill with their nose to the grindstone, uh, are always always happy to talk to me, mm -hmm. always happy to uh, uh, and say to me, "Wow, you're really the poster guy for work-life balance." And that I'm really proud of that. I, I and I've tried to ins inspire some people to to do some of the stuff I did. Take some time off. Don't you know? Maybe change your, your the way you practice law. And uh, but no, I made a con. That, I did reinvent yeah. myself, and I yeah. and, and that was hard, but I did it. And was there was there any sort of you know sort of reluctance or any concern that by doing that, that that your, your credibility would be different? Or is it the opposite? Has it really changed, elevated your credibility within within the legal community? 
I think in the beginning I was worried that it would erode my credibility. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I, I practiced in a very, uh, you know, I had a very focused practice later after the first 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I knew all the lawyers. Uh, they knew that I was capable of, of practicing law, that I, I hadn't sort of given up on that. And it was really interesting all the, because of all the speaking I did and cooking, all the judges knew that as well. And so if mm-hmm. I if I went in to get a trial date with another lawyer, the judge would say, now, I can give you September 25th. Are you going to be in Italy? Uh, and I'd say, yeah, what, yes or no. But it was it was it was just being different. And I think that was um, that was really important. I, just being being someone who did something different. So you've you've certainly talked to lots of, um, of lawyers and you've provided um, a sort of uh, guidance, I guess. And um, I noticed in one of the um, one of the sessions you gave in 2007, uh, counselor, <laughs> that uh, you called you called work work life balance useless tripe. Yes. I don't know if you... Yes, I did. That was a, a paper. Just give me some idea of, of what your thoughts were on that. Well, I just because I, I I you know it's like that great expression about you know these these gurus on work life balance. I, I, someone said the reason they use the word guru is because charlatan doesn't fit on the cover <laughs> of the book. Um, but. Uh, 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 no, I just I, I, I just had by by practicing and having a busy practice and, and going to trials and having to do that, I, I just think this this image of somebody who can just knock off at two thirty in the afternoon and go to a yoga class, um, you know, and, and take the rest of the day off, uh, that's not that's not how work life balance works mm-hmm. for me, uh, or for people. I don't yeah. think when I said it was tripe is because I think what happens is you you got to be when you need to be engaged you got to be fully engaged and. The minute you're not, you don't need to be, then you have to, you have to switch. So, you know, what I said to people is, you know, are you one of those people that sits at work and thinks about going to a movie? And then when you go to a movie, all you do is you sit there and think about your work. Like, do you ever switch off? Do you ever say, okay, I'm done for the day um, when you have your work done up to a certain point? Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, I just don't think, I, I don't think that that kind of fairy tale work-life balance exists. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people. I, I I know a lot of people that have quit law or medicine or or accounting um, because they they wanted that kind uh, of uh, yeah. they they wanted to say no I um, I want to go you know I want to do my yoga uh, in the afternoons and I don't want to work like that anymore. But but I think I think if you if I, I still think you can have both, uh, but I just don't think it works. Uh, like I said, there's not a magic not dividing that, line. It's not that check in, check out, or, or clock in, clock out type right. thing. It's, it's sort of time shifting, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, also talk a lot, of, a lot about the Italian approach to life. And mm. I, I, I can tell you that, that the first time we met, um, and you may, re- may not recall this, but the first time we met, we'd, we'd sort of communicate a little bit. And, um, and then I came over to your place when you lived down in Kensington area. Right. And um, you said, okay, let's get down to work. And so what you did was you found a good bottle of red wine, opened it, poured a couple of glasses, and then said, okay, we're just about ready. Let me go downstairs and get some cookbooks. And I was sitting there thinking, I've been in the wrong business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is that... Um, the thing is, is that, uh, uh, and I and I say this because people say, well, how do you, how did you find the time to do all that, like to learn all this stuff and to take the time? And I look at the, I look at a lot of people. I'll just give you an example. If, I, I know people that golf fifty times a year. Um, that's yeah. an awful lot of hours, <laughs> and is. and maybe they don't think of it that way. But I just think, you know, if I come home and I open a bottle of wine and I and I and I, you know, I have so many cookbooks now that I. Um, I'm a bit of trouble with my wife about this, but I promise her I will. I, I like I read them like 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 novels, and I they're my babies. And um, but and when I'm retired, I'll I will go through them all. But no, it was uh, it, it was just um, again it, it it's just a choice. I didn't I I just didn't spend my time golfing or going to hockey games forty times a year, forty nights a year, that sort of stuff. Uh, I just wasn't inter- interested in that. So and so the the Italian lifestyle was that. Something that uh, that you cultivated because you saw 
what uh, how it was in Italy, and how have you sort of tried to continue that in your, you know, in in your ongoing life? Well, you know, I always say this because you know Italians will say, um, you know, I I I don't live to work, I work to live, mm -hmm. and and so one of the things I learned when I was there um, is uh, there there they really aren't. Uh, consumers the way we are so they don't have three televisions in their house and they don't have three cars in the in, in a, and a three-car garage uh, and uh, uh, they live a simpler lifestyle um, uh, uh, where they don't have to spend as much money uh, for example on on good food or wine um, uh, yet they you know they go out a lot they um, but they don't they work isn't be all and end all mm -hmm. for them so and so that that's been your mantra for the for the last decades. Yeah, and you know, uh, like I said, I still get all my work done, and mm -hmm. I still, um, you know, uh, I st I have I, I have a very very good work ethic uh, instilled from the place I started working from. I learned from a lot of really good people there, and um, I I can't mail it in because of that, and I don't. <laughs> and and sometimes I say to my wife, I wish I could just mail this in. I don't really need to prepare. <laughs> For this tomorrow, and she, and I still do, and she say, well, you know, you were you were brought up right, I guess. So I don't know. <laughs> so then, um, more recently, you went to you went to Italy again for an extended period. Yeah. And what was the uh, what was the circumstances of, of that? Uh, well, uh, I I started to go to Italy as much as I could um, after I lived there in '96, and uh, I I got involved with my now wife. And she had never been, so she started to come with me. And um, suddenly there was the advent of the internet. And you could sit in your house and look at places to rent uh, without getting a runaround. You could look at pictures. And uh, we started to realize we weren't hotel people anymore because we mm -hmm. liked to cook and we liked to have people over and entertain when we were there. So we started renting houses. And there was an American-Italian couple who lived in Florence who were running a portion of this rental business and we became very very good friends with them and um, they had lived in a house in Florence uh, at the front of Machiavelli's estate okay. and it was probably a gardener's house or a gateman's house mm -hmm. or something and they'd lived there at a very sweet deal and they had to go back to the States for an extended period of time and they didn't want to lose the house so they phoned us up one day and said do you want to come live in our house in Florence and uh, that was a very short conversation, a very short conversation. In fact, my wife and I had just literally that day or the day before gotten back from an extended trip doing some aid work in Ethiopia, which we did for five years every year, or, you know, around February mm -hmm. when the rainy season was over. We, we spent a lot of time in Africa doing work. So, and so it, w it came at, a, at an opportune time. Yeah. And I just decided, I don't know, I, I can just say this, I don't know looking back. Um, I just said yes, and I said I'm quitting. Um, I just said I'm quitting, and uh, I had some very unhappy clients because I liked working with them, but I, they all sort of understood, and um, I wound out uh, my practice. And in fact, mm -hmm. the last thing I did was run a week-long trial, <laughs> and um, that was the very last thing I did. And uh, um, uh, we went, and it was the greatest thing we ever did. I, I will say it was the greatest thing I ever did in my life. So that that whole you know lead up to, to quitting. What um, did did you did you sort of you know have any sort of you know worries about what was going to happen other than you're going to be in, in Italy for the next year or so? No, um, uh, no, I, I don't. I can't tell you why. I didn't worry. I didn't <laughs> lose any sleep. I, uh, I, I, I had at that point been working for thirty years. And um, I just, I just thought, you know, whatever happens after this happens. I, w I wasn't planning to go back to be a lawyer. I was going to do something travel or cooking related, um, or maybe wine related. Um, and I wasn't intending to really go back. I hadn't foreclosed that possibility, but mm -hmm. I wasn't certainly looking for it. And uh, you know, uh, same thing happened. And I just encourage people, you know, to trains like that only come by, like. <laughs> Maybe once in your life that someone phones you up and says, you know, do you want to live on Machiavelli's estate in, in this house? And, you know, everything was there. Dishes, internet, um, you know, 
anything, you know, they just left everything for us. And so we had this wonderful life there, made a lot of friends um, who are still very, very good friends. And, um, and you know, lived on the on the Altarno side of, of the river, so where all the regular folks live. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just a wonderful experience. Only thing is I learned to speak Italian with a Florentine dialect, <laughs> which is not a good thing. So. so do you think people overthink these types of decisions? Do you, do you think that they should be... Know, a little bit more sort of open to you know to these opportunities yeah I think people that overanalyze it to the point mm-hmm. where they where they make themselves ill or they lose sleep and I think um, and I think people are t- people are too worried about money mm-hmm. uh, and I think that uh, you know again if you if you if you if you cut out a lot of the consumption that you don't need um, uh, I mean, we lived. We didn't live necessarily frugally in, in in Florence, but we we had this wonderful life. We went out all the time, and and uh, like I said, got to know a lot of people. Uh, but it didn't it didn't bankrupt us. It was it was fine. I mean, I suppose if we if we were you know going to the highest end Michelin restaurants every night, it would have been a different story. But mm-hmm. not the way I like to travel. So, <laughs> so that. That was a year away, or yeah, yeah, a little bit more than that. But uh, I stopped practicing. It took me a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Once, a few, I, I think about four months before we left, I had completely finished practicing law, and then I used the, that time to get us ready to go. We had a couple of, it was sort of like the Apollo. Uh, we had a couple of test runs, you know, where we <laughs> went over and made sure we had everything in order, um, and you know, the paperwork was, you know, uh, impossible. <laughs> Italian, Italian bureaucracy, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, a, a lot of people don't realize you can only go to uh, the eurozone for three months at a time, and then you have to leave for three months. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people get tripped up on that, so we had to get a, a, a visa, a residenza visa. And then, even though you have all this stuff, um, within eight <laughs> days of landing, you have to report yourself to the police and ask for, and apply for permission to stay, and then pay again. This really was mm-hmm. so. But we we navigated it. Yeah. And so that was um, clearly um, another sort of very important sort of um, sort of interval in, in in your life, and then you came back to Canada, and you know what was your sort of thought about where, where things were going at that point? Uh, sort of the same thing. I really I really wasn't th- I wasn't worried about it. My mm-hmm. wife had gone back to to her uh, her role as a as a mediator and arbitrator, which. Which is which is not like practicing regular law because if you do a mediation, people come to you for a day or two and then mm-hmm. you're done with them. Um, so she was back working. Uh, I was just sort of getting back into the swing of things and deciding what I was going to do in the fall. We got back in the summer, um, and my my longtime client uh, phoned me up and said, "What are you doing? We've never been able to replace you. Would you like to do some work for us?" So I didn't even have to apply for anything. It was, it was all sort of fairy godmotherish again. I just and it's you know it's been really good for me. They've they've accommodated me. Um, they also ask me when I'm when I'm going to Italy. They don't you know, they don't they don't bother me when I'm there. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 been interesting. I didn't didn't expect to get back into law, and but I'm almost done, and you know I I I, I like it. I I've sort of become this sort of elder statesman at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known a lot of the people I, I have worked against for a long time, um, and for the most part, we have a very um, uh, amicable sort mm-hmm. of fraternal bar here. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's been it's been not very much stress and and interesting. So so looking back at um, at you know when you when you sort of entered law school uh, and you know you were looking at all all these people who were had uh, pedigree hmm. um, and now now where you are um, what did what did you think you would be back then and how have you how have you achieved or not achieved those those uh, expectations and does it matter oh that's a really good question because I think I I think I saw myself the way a lot of people do when they come out of a professional school like medicine or law. I just saw myself on the same track as the people that mm-hmm. I ended up working with. So they practiced law, the, the ones who wanted to or, or applied to be judges or became judges. 
uh, at one point I thought that was a, almost a certainty for me. Um, but then again, I have to think about who I am here. And one of the people I am here is I'm not, I'm, I mean, I like helping people and I, I like figuring out cases and all that sort of stuff for people, but um, I'm not really that keen on, on um, deciding on people's liberty, for example. I, mm -hmm. I know for a fact I couldn't be a criminal court judge. I have friends who are, and they, they say it's just like calling balls and strikes. You know, you don't worry. You don't worry that you're going to send someone up the it's river. It's nothing personal. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, you're not going you know, to wrongfully convict someone or, uh, or there's safeguards for that. And, uh, but I just realized I didn't want to do that. So mm -hmm. that, that path that everyone else was taking, um, I just realized fairly early on that that's not what I wanted. Um, uh, and in terms of where I where I ended up, um, I think I think it's really interesting that the guy who from elementary school on wanted attention sort of ended up being one of the more sort of notorious uh, lawyers in this province where who everybody knows uh, mostly because he makes spaghetti, not so much not so much because he's a, a lawyer, but I like that aspect of it too. I just distinguished myself from from other people that way and um, uh, uh, and, you know, like I said, the, some of those decisions I never thought I'd make, like, for example, when my wife said to me, I, uh, you know, I want to leave a footprint, I want to do something different, I want to do some aid work, and she chose a charity in Ethiopia, and a fantastic charity run by a Canadian lawyer, actually, um, and she said, you know, do you want to come? And I can't believe that it just came out of my mouth. I said, yeah, and uh, it, was, it was one of the most fantastic experiences mm -hmm. of our lives, I mean, uh, unbelievably nice people, uh, interesting country. Uh, Uganda, we went to some work in Uganda as well. Uh, same thing, unbelievably dedicated people, helping people. And uh, there's nothing more exciting than a big African city first thing in the morning. It's, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. I think it must assail all of your senses. <laughs> it does, everyone. <laughs> yeah, livestock and traffic is really quite something. So, so um, there was an interview in uh, Supreme Advocacy I think um, I think in 2020, and um, there's a there's a lot of really interesting stuff that that you you talked about and they asked you about. But you have a top ten list. Yeah, and I don't know if we'll go through all the top tens, but there are a couple of the things that you know that you know clearly made sense to me. You know, number one, of course, is that one signature dish. I suspect you probably have more than one signature dish. Oh yeah, but I mean. But uh, you have the one. I, uh, it, it it changes. It, it, it depends <laughs> on what mode I'm in or what part of Italy I've been traveling in. But yeah, I mean, the the point of the top ten list was was to talk to young students coming out of law school, saying, you know, here's some life skills you really need. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, being able to cook one thing, so that when you so you can have people over and you're not ordering in and you, and you know, uh, you've learned how to set a table and you've learned how to how to uh, how to how to cook this dish, and uh, uh, it stands you in good stead. Yeah. And it's that care that you're actually doing with your hands rather than ordering from skip the dishes. Right. Yeah. Right. And and this, you know another skill is uh, be able to tell at least one good story about yourself. Uh, <laughs> usually, it, probably better if it's self-deprecating. But uh, you know the fellow who who uh, asked me to do that is a, a fellow named Eugene Meehan, a good Scotsman. And Eugene actually was a professor of mine in the early 80s. We, he was there on his master's, so he says we're, we were sort of classmates. But, um, you know, he, he agrees with that. He says, you know, uh, if you, you, you have an obligation to be interesting, <laughs> right? If you go to a dinner party or you meet people uh, in your profession, you, you have, um, you know, um, and he told me one about himself where he, he's always losing his cell phone. So he put a sticker on the back of his cell phone with tape that said, if, if you find this, call this number. But he, it was his cell phone number. So, so he actually put his. So he said, "This didn't really do any good." Um, so that's the kind of that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Is it? And, and you know, uh, I just uh, I think everybody should be able to tell a joke. Um, and nowadays, you think you got to be very careful about what kind of jokes you tell. But I think you do. I think I think you know you just got to be more interesting. So, and and uh, I won't ask you about your karaoke, but um, <laughs> and so. You've also spent a lot of time learning languages, and mm. you, you made a point that this was really important for the social interaction, and and also for, in a way, getting ahead in, in career and life. Um, and and what's what's your opinion on that? I mean, 
I know you speak Italian, and you've been you've been learning and and working on Italian for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Well, I speak passable French. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand more French than I speak. I I was I was raised uh, with a with Ukrainian speaking family, and I I took Ukrainian in university and undergrad, so I can read and write in Cyrillic. I unfortunately all my relatives are dying off. I don't have many people to talk to. Um, but one of the things I learned is like from traveling and particularly in Europe, um, I have yet to meet any young person from Germany who isn't fluent in three languages. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether it's French or Spanish or whatever, um, but in addition to German, they always, almost all speak very good English. And the, the doors that opens to you for careers, I mean, you know, if, if I had been fluent, for example, um, in Italian in my mid-20s, I probably would have tried to get a job there for a couple of years, you know, <laughs> with the UN or some, yeah, some group. Yeah. And I just think, you know, it really bothers me, the, the mentality we have here. We have two official languages in this country, and there seems to be some resistance in English Canada to people wanting to be bilingual. I think it would be, the, I think, I think yeah, we have, we're very the, positive thing yeah, for, we're the yeah. luckiest people in the world. Yeah. You can, you get served in both official languages if you want. and. Uh, I just don't understand it, and I'm I'm really glad it, it it's opened up an awful lot of doors for me to be able, to, particularly to speak Italian, um, and same thing made a lot of friends, and and if I did want to now, for example, you know, go go over there and, and do some food tours or whatever, I could I could I could maneuver my way around in the business world at least. And then, <clears throat> you did you did sort of mention about being broadly knowledgeable about about sports and about the right. the the. The profession that you're in, I think, you know, clearly those are, are really important. Um, just to sort of deviate a little bit. Um, so, in this last couple of years and during the pandemic, there's been um, a lot to do about what's called the Great Resignation. And um, and what's what's your take on that? You know, why why are people Finding that they, they have to or they want to, um, you know, separate from what they have been doing, is do you, do you have any sort of uh, understanding of that? Uh, particularly with your experience of when you're when you're sort of in front of uh, law students and talking about their future, is there some sort of a inter interlocking of what you're seeing in the law students and what's currently happening in? in the broader population with with dissatisfaction leaving their jobs yeah and i think it, i think it's, it gets back to what happened to me in 1996 i think that what's happened in the last couple of years during the pandemic is um people come to grips with how unhappy they are mm -hmm. and not necessarily unhappy because of the pandemic but but it, it somehow has focused people on saying boy i don't really like what i'm doing <laughs> or i don't or i want to do something else and you know, I, I do have regrets that when I when I came to that point where I said I've got to do things differently and I'm going to try to recreate myself somehow, and um, I I am um, I, I probably missed a train at that point of saying, okay, here's your chance to do something more creative. Here's your chance maybe to go, um, you know, develop a, a a situation comedy with somebody who's had some experience, a showrunner or something like that, or or at least. Um, get your get your foot wedge your foot in the door of something mm -hmm. else uh and I, but again for me it was just a a real sort of level of unhappiness with 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 where i was at and i think that's what's happening to people now is they say well you know what i finally got a chance to lift my head up here and i i don't like where i am mm -hmm. and um uh you know i'm the i'm the most surprised person in the world that the world has kept going i i, I didn't <laughs> i didn't know like in my job which is you're sitting across from people. You're examining people. You're going to court with people. Um, it's just all continued on. Uh, it's it's different and it's actually mm -hmm. horrible. But uh, people have continued to work, and I think some of that change has also caused people to say, "I don't, I don't really like this." So that's that. I think it's unhappiness. And I don't, and I think a lot of people are willing to put up with a lot of unhappiness because they fear the change. They mm -hmm. just they fear the change. It's not even financial. I don't think. I I think it's uncertainty. Well, you know yeah. that not knowing, not knowing perfectly what is going to happen in in the next days, weeks, or months. But I guess you could you could say that none of us really know what's going to happen in the next no. days, weeks, and months. No, but but you know I just uh, I just think you know 
people need to be willing to take chances and they for some reason they aren't and I don't know whether that's been a function of a certain level of prosperity here um, you know where where people can go to school and they mm -hmm. get out and they get a job and um, there hasn't been the, the same kind of uh, problems with that that there hasn't been in other countries or or problems but um, I mean you know someone just said to me uh, when I when I quit the 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 law firm, the first law firm I quit, and when I was doing really well, was someone just said, "You know what? The Lord hates a coward. You know, go do it, go do it, and and uh, you know, you may you might fall flat, but doesn't mean you can't pick yourself up and dust yourself off and get going again." And, and it sounds like over time the feedback has echoed that and amplified that. It seems that um, you know from what you've just described that there is more of that that particularly people who are later in their careers yeah. or, con or contemporaries of yours. Is that, is, are you noticing that more and more? Uh, actually, one of the things that's, that I'm noticing that, I, that I, I have to shake my head about and I don't understand is, is people who say, well, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't work. I got, I got to keep working because I don't know what I would do. I, I have to tell you, I don't understand that. I, um, I, I, I filled my days from the minute I, I quit practicing law in 2013 or end of 2012. I filled my days, um, wasn't bored once, uh, <laughs> always had something to do. Uh, and if I wanted something to do, I, you know, I, there's lots of, uh, lots of ways to help people. Um, you know, go volunteer and cook for, for a homeless shelter. Go do something worthwhile, but you, you should never be bored. I don't get, I just don't get it. Well, I think that um, that's that's an excellent sort of view of the world, and um, I want to thank you for for coming and, oh. and sharing your your experiences. And uh, I really love catching up with you again, and and really sort of um, you know asking some of those questions that 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 you brought up in 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 our interactions. Uh, and so, you know, I, I thank you. Well, I just want to say thank you for having me, and 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 to say. Uh, is reciprocate and just say, uh, you know, uh, how much I've enjoyed knowing you and, and we're very uh, proud to know you because you also um, had had some visions about things and you you actually did the legwork and did them. Yeah, I think feverish dreams is probably a better <laughs> way. <laughs> a fever dream, yeah. No, I, I just think, I, I think it's very admirable the stuff that you've done and that you you've, uh, haven't just put your nose down and done the same thing. And, uh, and so it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much, Alan. You're welcome. Okay.